in a media company, if you focus on problems, your audience, you know, solve on a daily basis, regardless of whether there is a relation to your solution, you will get their attention and they will not care whether you're a big company or a small company. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Marketing Revisited. My name is Liam Maroney, I'm your host, and on this podcast, I talk to the smartest marketers I know, one topic at a time, to learn what's new, what's changed, and what you need to leave behind to be a better marketer. And today, we talked about building a media company, and I had the pleasure to talk to someone who is doing just that. Mikhail Miskin, the VP of Marketing of Slice, joined me, and we talked everything from what it means, how to do it, how to measure it, and everything in between. It was a great episode. Take a listen. Mikhail, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me, Liam. Excited to talk about this. I am excited as well. And let's jump right in. So the topic for today is revisiting what it means to build a media company. And you've been doing this from a very practical and tactical point of view. And so I want to get into the weeds on how and what it actually looks like. Before we go down that path, I want to kind of demystify it a little bit, because I think when you hear the term media company, it can either feel extremely intimidating from a marketing point of view, or it can feel possibly even a bit fluffy. So from your point of view, could you just give me your perspective on what it means to build a media company? Like, what does that actually look like from a marketing point of view in B2B? So I'll give you my understanding of this media company, because there is no objective understanding. As you, as you just said, this term is dropped around a lot. People say, but there is no definition. There is no agreement what that means. And. When I first came across this term, this idea, I didn't know either. For me, it was, I saw the media company and just like everybody else, I was looking at this thinking, okay, so what that means. And, but it was intriguing it on some intuitive level. I liked this idea and as it normally happens with me, it just started, you know, it got into my head and it took time, some processing time. I was thinking about this, it probably took months. It was happening somewhere in back of my head. And I was starting to look at our audience, at content, and occasionally I would check other companies doing a lot of content marketing. And I was trying to understand what, what's this media company, what, what, what is it? And at some point, the realization came to me that Media is not really something specific. It's just a lot of content produced continuously by, by a producing company. It, it could be anything. So the format really doesn't play a role here because you could think as about media companies, it's like producing news and some people on LinkedIn say, well, you know, you, yeah, you need to hire journalists, is it like BBC, CNN stuff, but then like Netflix is, it's a, it's a media company. Do they produce news? No, they don't. Now, when people would talk about all these different aspects, they would say one, now they would name different aspects that they would think should be a part of the media company. And, and some people would say that you have to have a strong point of view. And that also for me, like I was thinking, does Netflix have a strong point of view? Mm, I, don't, I don't think so. They just produce a lot of content and people definitely, mm, you know, they, they know what Netflix is, the whole world knows. And so for me. It kind of come to not a definition maybe, but a few fundamentals that should be a part of this media company. And one of them is that 
of course, people really should, should like content that you produce. Content, any type, it's media, could be text, it could be video, it could be audio. It's content, but they really should follow you. Yeah. And you have to think about, do people follow CNN? They do. Some people, right? Do people follow Netflix? Well, they subscribe to Netflix. It's the same thing, right? They go there, they check out what's new. It becomes a habit. That's where they consume content. So it could be different kind of content, but people should really make it a habit of their life. In our case, it's work life to it's the place to consume content. You, you do it regularly and mm -hmm. you know, you like, like with Netflix or CNN, you don't consume their content by coming across their clips accidentally in your feed. You go to their website to consume content. You go to their website to consume content. So that's really important. It should be such an important source of content for you. So you would actually want to go and check if there is something new. So this is an important part of media. This is really interesting. I, I have about a thousand questions on everything you just said, but I, I, this is a really interesting definition because I think you're, you're talking about content in a way that I don't think a lot of marketers think about it today, because I think there's been this, this kind of perspective that, well, I mean, you can't expect someone to read all of your content and you can't expect them to sort of subscribe. It's really about being everywhere they are. And they think about it more in terms of pushing your content everywhere that it can be and being in every feed. What you're talking about is you're more like a magnet and bringing people to your content as a destination for it. Is that, that is fair. fair? Yeah, that's, that should be your main goal in building media company because it's really following media brand, what we're talking about. It's where you really can tell that you have access to your audience. So I think that's for me very important part of a media company. This is really interesting. Here's where I'd love to just kind of take this down so people can kind of get their head around it. Do you mind giving just kind of a high level overview of how this takes shape at Slice? What does this actually look like for you? Sort of what, like, give me a sense of like the kind of formats that you use, sort of what you're actually doing it for. Um, okay. So I'm in the process here. I've started doing these things several months back, and I think it will take at least a year to get somewhere at this point, but that's my aim based on my understanding of what I'm doing. That's where I want to be. And what we are doing is, you know, we produce content that we know our audience like this content and you know, how to get there. It's a different conversation. You know, we kind of assume at this point that you have content that the audience really like. And the tricky part of course, how do you go from a point of, you know, audience liking your content to the point where they actually follow you because you know, that's where the, the power of the media company is. And I think that. It takes time. If you will keep producing a very, very good content consistently, and you will sort of, you know, that the audience will start to associate your brand that is behind this media company, it will be a part of their work life. So they would, you know, they. They know that they always get so much value, not just today, not just occasionally, but all the time. And so you can't actually put a finger at exactly what moment this happens, but you can think about 
other, other maybe shows you follow on sidewalk, anything. Sometimes it takes you time to realize, you know, you, you keep getting back to watching their stuff. You keep getting back to listening to their stuff and for different people, it's different. The time could be different, but more and more subscribers accumulate and they keep, they keep listening and they keep watching and it's, it's a very process. It's very hard to pin down exactly the moment, especially it's, you know, different for different people. But I think that the consistency here is really important because we know there is a lot of great content that is, you know, somebody will make something and it's really great. People like it and then silence and people forget people move on. So the consistency, the mm -hmm. consistency of producing content is another fundamental pillar for the media company for me. Something you said that was really interesting, which is that being part of their work life, that that's such an interesting concept and you don't hear that being said. One thing I could easily imagine people saying is, well, our tool or our solution or our software isn't like a huge tool that they use every single day. Like, okay, it makes sense for Salesforce to be a media company because Salesforce is such a big part of your job. Do you think that's accurate? Like if you're a point tool or if you're something that's sort of more occasionally, like, do you still think a product like that can be part of everyone's work life from a content point of view? Yes. You know, things that are not tools are also part of our work life. Uh, it's not only tools that are part of our work life. LinkedIn, it's, you know, that people read stuff on LinkedIn. It's a habit for a lot of people to just scroll, you know, their feed, listening to podcasts. In terms of company, like, if I understand, understand your question correctly, like Salesforce is a, is a huge company and it might make sense for them to be a media company because they're such a huge resource and as a product, they, they are a, a, a big part so many people in terms of like their product can take a lion's share of someone's work life. So there are people that just work exclusively in Salesforce. And I guess, and I guess like, let me ask it a slightly different way. If like, if someone were to say, for example, like, I don't think that anyone would follow us because we're not a big company like Salesforce, who's going to be regularly checking on our content? Like, are we big enough for that? Like, is there a fit for this? Are there people who are like, do you have to be of a certain size or can anyone earn the right to be somebody that you could follow every day as a yeah, brand? Yeah, it, that's a good question. Slice is a small company. So not only Slice is a small company, our solution that that we provide really takes a fraction of attention of our audience in their work life. So our audience have to deal with so many different problems and issues that, you know, the problem that we solve is just one of so many. It's, it's a fraction of 1% of their attention. Uh, mm -hmm. So, uh, that's one, another pillar of, a, another fundamental part of the media company for me is that, that you don't really want to talk about your product because your mm -hmm. product in most cases for most companies, unless you're Salesforce takes only a small percentage of your audience's time in their work life, they are not going to listen to things about your product or about the problem that your product solves. But being a media company, if you focus on problems, your audience, you know, solve on a daily basis, regardless of whether there is a relation to your solution, you will get their attention and they will not care whether you're a big company or a small company. 
because you talk about things that they care. For, for me, it, it doesn't really matter where I get really good content as long as it's good. And, you know, from, from the growth that we have on our show, I can see that this is, that that's absolutely the case. People don't really care because they, they only care about content. I think that's a really interesting point. And it, it's a different mindset actually, really, because I think the standard content marketing point of view is it's usually, and unfortunately, a lot of brands will say, well, first let's start with what we solve and then let's build content that's very close to that. So we might be a, you know, email solution. So we should always be talking about email as a channel and how to get the most out of email and optimizing your email. But what you're saying is you're broadening it to understand their bigger job and talk about their, their work life and their day and their challenges, which is a very different scope. Yes. And I guess it can feel very intimidating when you hear media company because, you know, you mentioned Netflix, you mentioned CNN, and you can think like, oh, well, they've got multiple shows or they've got multiple journalists and they've got all these different sort of channels and, and, and themes and topics. Like, how narrow can you start? Like, like, does this need to be a multi-topic, multimedia thing in order to be a company? No, I mentioned CNN just because... Everybody knows what is it, and uh, that's what people sure. usually sure. use as an example of a media company. But definitely, a better example is just one show. You could think about one show on CNN or a different mm -hmm. channel, one program. So that's what you do. And most people, they don't really watch CNN. They watch a certain shows on CNN or certain shows on other channels. So that's how you think people follow certain shows. Same on Netflix. They don't watch everything, right? They watch certain. So uh, I yeah. think about creating a show, a program that your audience, you know, will keep watching. And it can be, uh, it can be narrow as long as it covers your entire audience. So for me, it's important that it really should be interesting for your entire audience. And usually, I can't really think of any examples where this will be a case. An audience in B2B is built around job titles. And so usually mm -hmm. people with similar job titles will, would have a certain array of problems they deal with at some point in their career. So there, there are always those common topics and you can take particular angle, you know, to talk about things as long as it's relevant for your entire audience. And to give you an example as how it's, how it can be relevant for an entire audience for, let's say you have mm -hmm. a product that is social media scheduler, where you schedule posts, you know, marketers wouldn't pay a lot of attention to, to this product. It just, right. you know, sure. sometimes you would need it. And so how, how would you approach this? So you, you would, if you would start talking about the problem that your product solves, well, there is not a much to talk about. You, you could make maybe two episodes about problems uh, with scheduling software and that's it. You're done. So that's why you have to move yeah. beyond your product and beyond the solution, be, beyond the, the problem your product solves. But if you make a show that is relevant to all marketers or all social media marketing, and would tackle different issues, would talk uh, about different campaigns on social media, would, uh, if you would analyze successful and unsuccessful campaigns, if you would invite guests that would do such analysis, and then you, you would just, you know, 
add somewhere, you know, in every episode, uh, here and there in your videos, that's, you know, who are that, you know, what we're doing, you would basically tell your audience who you are. This is your audience. You mm. stay relevant to them every day with your content. And at the same time, you're just telling them that's what we are doing. And that's, that's where, you know, that's how you build brand affinity every single day, not by talking about your product, but by talking about what's relevant to your audience and just kind of letting them know who you are and what you do. That's such a good example. I love the scheduling that that's an interesting way of looking at it. I, I'd love to get tactical on this and kind of for anyone who might want to start doing something like this, I think it's a big shift because a lot of the way most content marketing is today is it's very orphaned. Like each individual asset lives separately. And what you're saying is much more episodic. It's much more continuous. It's sort of like a, a themed show, like yeah. you're saying. So when you're committing to something like that, if you're deciding I'm going to create a show in whatever format that it takes, you're going to make it a bet that this is going to run for quite an amount of time. So you, you've got to you've got to be confident that you, you're talking about the right topics. How would you begin doing research for where is the right theme? What is the right space to play in? Like, how would you, especially like in the scheduling assistant example, how do you think about like, what's the realm that we can talk about? How big can we go? Like, what, what would you do as a first place from a research perspective? Well, the social media scheduling tool Maybe, maybe, uh, a bit tricky because we're talking about a situation where a marketer should market to marketers. So the marketer would Point. know because the marketer themselves is part of the audience. So maybe we use a different example yeah. where let's say a marketer does not belong to the audience that they need to market to. But it doesn't really matter in this case, if whatever you, your industry is, your niche is, you, you really have to study your audience. And the primary tool is interview. And that's what I have done. I talked to quite a few people from my audience, not only customers. So. It doesn't really mm -hmm. matter from, from this point of view, it's, you know, it's even better if you talk to many different people from users, customers and no customers, people, I, I, I talked to people from my audience who have never heard about our company before, because they don't sometimes people that are your customers, they would subconsciously think that you want to talk about your company and I would insert examples that are related mm -hmm. to the company and you want to move beyond that. So find people just that on LinkedIn, of course, it's easy from your audience and talk to them, try to just ask them their challenges, their day to day activities. And after a few interviews, you will see a few trends kind of appearing from, from all the, well, it's a qualitative research, right? So, so you just get all this information and, it, and it, you, you will identify those trends. It, it, it's quite easy when, you know, when you actually do it, when mm. you talk to several people. Usually after four, five, six conversations, you will have a sense of those trends. This next step after that is producing content to test. So based on, based on this information and these trends, you, you would need to come up with ideas of content and, and then you need to test it and Again, it's, it's a great place for this because of targeting. Targeting is so easy on LinkedIn by job title. 
Mm-hmm. There's not a place where you could have such, such an easy targeting. So I put together a few content pieces that did not require a lot of effort. So I've had a show in mind and this involves like mm-hmm. interviews, video, audio editing, you know, all this stuff. But at that time I, I had to test without all these resources without investing in all that because it requires planning, gotcha. et cetera. So basically I took those ideas and I put them in text in different formats. So these were like a few cornerstone ideas that I felt bothered our audience and I formulated questions based on based on these ideas and the question questions were very simple, but I I wanted to see whether they resonate to what extent they resonate with our audience. And so it was like a question just put on an image five minutes in Canva and I would put it on LinkedIn and I would promote it as an ad to our audience and I think I did this for like two, three months and I, I used about 40 to 50 different questions on these images. So there was quite an extensive, you could say, this is research and some of them received hundreds of comments and I, I that was so obvious. People want to talk about that stuff. Hundred, like when I say hundreds, I mean maybe 200 tops, but that's a lot. There were, uh, that's so incredible. those comments were not just great, wonderful. These were like several paragraphs of text and there were threads on their own where people would respond to each other. And so it was obvious people want to talk about this stuff and all of this was a reaction to one question. And so that's when I knew, you know, I, I saw the questions that resonated best and that was a clear, a clear sign for me that where I have to take it to the next level. I'm absolutely intrigued by this. I've never heard anyone doing this. It. It's so funny because you could so easily have said, we should just commission a survey through some paid survey thing. But like you just said, if, if you went that route, you would have only gotten sort of answers that fit into boxes. Yes or no to this. Do you like this? Rate this. Whereas you got conversations where people were even going back and forth with each other. I'm amazed by that. I never would have thought of paying money to ask a question on LinkedIn. It is like the opposite of what marketers use LinkedIn for. That's fascinating yeah, to me. Interesting. I never thought of a survey. No, but it's really interesting. You went a route that got you a very different type of feedback because I think in a survey, people know they're being asked questions and they know that they're, they're being asked questions to, to stick to some sort of confined amount of answers or some being open-ended, but in your case, what you really did was you, you elicited a response from people, like an emotional response. And then they had peers chiming in. I mean, that's such an interesting use case. I've never thought. And you know, uh, some of the people who commented on many of our posts and it was posted on our LinkedIn page. And of course people could follow our page and many, many did. And some of them started to comment on new posts that I did not promote, so I, I knew that they already follow for, for content. So that, you know, we started to get organic engagement. Some, some, some of these people eventually came to our show, we interviewed them and basically they, they became the guests on our show. Oh, that's clever. That's very that, that, but, you know, because <laughs> yeah, because on LinkedIn you, you know, can see and, uh, the people you know, and you can check their profiles. Because, you know, course, sometimes yeah. we would get comments that would get 
a hundred engagements, the comments, more than our original post. Because their comments were really gold. I mean, they were very smart, very thoughtful, a lot of meaningful information. This was another turning point for me because at that point I didn't really know like what kind of show to make. But when I saw that uh, in most cases, comments from our audience received more attention, more engagement than the original post question from us. What I realized is that our audience wants to hear from their peers. We are not an, an expert, so they are the experts. And so the format of our show became interviewing experts from our audience and just, you know, asking them questions and giving back this information to, to the audience. That's so interesting. And actually, you know, on that note, I want to make sure we talk about distribution yeah. because at the start you were talking about, you know, bringing people to you as subscribers, which is a very different metric than I think a lot of marketers are, are talking about right now, where they're talking about just be consumed in the feed and that's good enough. And what you're talking about right now is that you had conversation happening between peers in, in LinkedIn and you had this back and forth. So when you start producing this show, are you, are you producing it with the intention of say, putting portions of it on LinkedIn, but ultimately bringing them back to you or is consumption within places like LinkedIn enough? Like talk me through how you distribute an episode. So the end goal of bringing this audience to us and kind of, you know, becoming this media company where people would follow your media brand is definitely a long-term effort. I, I have no illusion that it's not going to happen in, in, in a, in a few months period, but it's, it's how, 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 how can you get there? That's what we're talking about here. So initially I, what, what I did is I relied on LinkedIn ads as, as a, as a distribution. I think a lot of people missing out on this. People would post content and would get very little engagement and you know, their content goes away and they say company pages don't work. Although company pages have this incredible advantage of paid distribution. So what I did is I, I planned, of course, creating those conversations, interviews with experts from our audience, and of course, uploading them on audio platforms such as Apple podcasts and Spotify, standard stuff and YouTube. And of course we created short video clips for LinkedIn as many people do. But what's different is that we would publish them on our LinkedIn page, company page. And then I would actually create a campaign in, in LinkedIn ad platform where I would have one ad campaign for each episode. So for each episode, we would have from four to seven clips, depends, right? And I would put them in the same ad campaign. So I would have as many ad campaigns as, as, as I, I have episodes. So I, I have one ad campaign for each episode and each ad campaign would have several ads and each ad is actually a video clip. Okay. Now, really important that you want to rotate them evenly, because if you show your ad about your product to people, it's okay if they see it many times, but if it's educational clip, such as our content, there is no point for them to see it more than once. 
So you really want to keep edge frequency as close to one as possible. That's another conversation. So that's, yeah, that's a big point. I, I'd never heard some said that, but you're absolutely right. Cause once you're consuming content for the sake of getting the information that's in it, you don't need to see it a second time at all. And now I guess the question to that is, are you, are you sort of betting on the fact that if the ad frequency is one that it's either a yes or a no, they consumed it or not. It's not a, maybe they missed it the first time. We'll catch them um, the second time. Now, if ad frequency is one, I, I am of course have no illusions that many people, if you know, it's an impression, they don't watch, it's fine. The fact that you produce content daily and you have so many campaigns in rotation, they will watch, you know, maybe they will skip 10 episodes, but they will watch 11th. And because you have already this content machine in production, you know, if you have 20 episodes, it means that you have over 100 of those clips. It doesn't mean that they keep being promoted on LinkedIn because I, I usually, I, I turn off the campaigns for all the ones and only fresh content appears, but still there is always something circulating on LinkedIn, but I want to keep the ad frequency close to one, just not to annoy those that already watch something, I would rather have people see few of our clips, then I will have people watching our clip, not watching, but seeing our, the same clip twice on, on their feed. So I, I go for, because we have a big amount of those clips, it's, it's fine. It's better quality for them. That's, I, I don't know why, but I feel like I just had that like light bulb moment where it, it really makes sense now where having a large production of content, it kind of accomplishes a few things because firstly, it allows you to do exactly what you just said, which is I can be okay with one impression per audience because I can cycle in new content and new content, even if they don't consume during that single impression, they're still seeing a cycling mm -hmm. of content. So over time, they're going to go like, oh, there's there more exactly. and there's more. So you're sort of leaving them, even if they're not digesting the content, they're digesting the fact yes. that you have a lot. I, of I, that's an important aspect of the media company that this consistency that, that, that you create this sense of presence in the book life of your audience. Even if they don't watch all of them, of course they, they don't. So that's fine. But you really have to keep those presents. You know, it's new. It's something you can get a lot of, a lot of value, a lot of content consistently. So there is this advice that is common, create once, distribute forever. And mm -hmm. it's definitely applicable in some cases, but you have really have to be careful if you want to distribute forever, you know, if you, in this case, it, 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 it wouldn't work. Imagine like if you are a media company, yeah. if you want to be a media company that people would follow you, you can't, you can't have this, you know, people consuming your content, if you have the same content all over this, you know, again and again and again, and it's like this watching the same series on Netflix or watching the, 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 the just think of that. Yeah. It's like hearing about the season one of stranger things and you're like, okay, <laughs> that's where that's years yeah. ago. You have to produce new content. That's part of the deal here. Yeah. You have to have the content production machine. It has to be well old, well oiled, well run, 
and has to produce content consistently. Yeah. So I want to make sure I ask this question because you mentioned that you know this is a long-term play and you know that it's going to take time to be that that magnet brand that people are subscribed to. But along that journey, like what milestones are you looking for? What does success look like? I mean, a month in, three months in, six months, like how do you know this is going in the right direction? Well, there are indicators. Now, I'm a marketer. Uh, as a marketer, for me, it's important to have access to my audience. What I am doing with the media company is that I'm trying to guarantee access to my audience, no matter what. In this case, the value of the media company is accumulation the audience around, around the project. It's, it's especially relevant right now with the recession where we'll see updates and news of cuts in budgets. Mm -hmm. And I think the main value, let's say one of the main values of the media company is that you have access to your audience and you can show them your product indirectly without having an ad budget. Mm -hmm. In the past four months, we acquired 4,000 followers on our LinkedIn company page. And this four, we acquired more, but these 4,000 are from our audience. So right. I actually don't look at the number of followers. I have someone on my team to actually go, you, you can't, it's a manual process, but it's, it's worth looking at, at job titles of every follower. Oh, you just spot every them. follower. Yeah. Oh, so we see okay. by the numbers. So for example, we, like last month, we got 700 followers as here, for example, 620 of them are from our audience. I know I'm doing things in the right direction. Oh. People from our audience following our page, our organic engagement grow. So for example, if we would post something on our company page four months ago, we would get far less organic engagement than we get now. Mm -hmm. Three days ago, we posted a clip and it got over 50 organic engagements before we even put this, you know, so in our workflow, we'll put things for paid distribution several days after we published, because I want to see what kind of organic engagement we get before it gets to, to the paid distribution. And based on this growing organic engagement, I can also see that we truly act as this as, as this media kind of company. That's very interesting. So you're, because you know, your followers are your target audience, you're using the organic posts, almost like a, a small sample test to say, did it resonate? And if it does, then you know, with confidence that you can amplify that with paid mm -hmm. distribution. That's really clever. Uh, we should talk about one aspect of media company, which is Usually people think about this when they get into this, but as, as I, as I kind of went through this, I think it will be of value for people to know is when you actually create this kind of media sub brand in our case, we, we publish these under our company page, but for the show, we created a sub brand. So it has its own branding. Okay. The show has a name. We call it Safety Labs by Slice. Slice is a company, our company name. And we would, we started putting out those content 
And it would end with just our logo, which is Slice. And of course, you know, if you don't know a company, Slice, it, it could mean whatever. So we started to get feedback that people like content, but they didn't know what we are doing. And it's a concern, like, all right, Slice, but what are you doing? Right. So you, you have to close this gap. So it, it's, it's, it's all cool, you know. Your audience really likes your content and it's growing, but you, you, you have to close the, people need to know who are you, what are you doing? And I also saw comments on LinkedIn from other companies where someone reposted someone's post with similar type of educational content and this, this person shared the, in this, in this post, they said, I've been enjoying videos on this company, but I have no idea what they're doing. And someone from this company commented, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a struggle. And I could relate to, to this person from this company because right. it's hard to hit the balance of like, Hey, you are producing content that is so relevant, so valuable for your audience. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you, you are a business, you have to connect those two things. So what I did is that I created a very short two, three seconds video clip to put at the end of each video clip that we publish on LinkedIn, which very clearly says and shows who we are and what we do. That, that that's, that's, oh, that's very so simple. simple. And that actually led me to another, another realization about the media company as a, as a, as a way to, as a, as a, a way to reach your audience from marketing perspective is that you build this media company, this content and what, what usually marketers do in, at, at their job, they buy the media, they buy media presence. That's what they have ad budgets for. They spend them on Google, which is kind of media with, you know, LinkedIn ads, mm -hmm. it's media. Maybe it's industry publications. Maybe it's podcast sponsorship, anything you pay money to media. And when I edit those clips at the end of our clips, those end cards, which so, you know, basically I realized it's an ad. And what I'm doing is yeah. <laughs> I'm creating content and then I also have an ad and, uh, it, it I realized that that's kind of like full cycle, you know? You know, you, you, you produce content <laughs> and you have your own ads inside. That is, that is. And, I, cool. and that's when I realized that, you know, as time goes, our audience grows and basically we advertise for free. I, this is, this has just blown my mind because it's such, it makes so much sense when you say it. And yet no one seems to do it like this. Everyone is trying to do it either by saying, let's basically make our content a thinly veiled product mm -hmm. piece of advertising, or let's follow a piece of content that someone consumes with salespeople who hammer them to tell them what they do. But all you're doing is you're just putting it at the end and you're adding an ad to it. That's, that's so almost annoyingly simple. Uh, <laughs> it's such a clever idea. <laughs> I like the transparency about this, it, you, you know, you were not trying to do some, those thinly veiled product ads or whatever, as you say, you know, at this, at the end of the day, we are a business and everybody is, you know, is a part of the business. We are in the P2P world. Everybody understands it's business. Yeah. And so it's very transparent for me. Hey, you know, that's, you know, we, we're making this show. I, I genuinely care about the content and the show 
I, I think our audience is fascinating and the subject that we, we talk about really interesting. And then we just put this ad because, Hey, that's what we are, what we do. You know, we'll, we'll make this show for you. And thank you for your time. It's, that's incredible. I'm going to, I'm going to be thinking of that for the rest of the day because it's incredibly simple, but it's exactly what you said. It's transparent. It's not making anything feel like there's some sort of a catch. You're saying we've made this because we want you to like us. We're a business. Here's mm -hmm. what we do. And it's mutually beneficial. Everyone wins in this exchange. There's no, there's no sort of like taking advantage of each other. It's just your ad, you're asking for their time and you're asking for a little bit of their attention. Yes. And another thing I like about it is that mm, with this type of content and our ads, we can and we do reach our entire audience. So we do not talk about awareness or not awareness about, of, of the product, you know, it's relevant for everyone in this profession. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, this gives you an opportunity to be present for, for, for your audience, whether they're your customers, whether they are in the consideration stage, solution aware, problem aware unaware at all or anything, you, you reach everyone and everyone will get to know you. I think that, I think that is a wonderful place to leave it. That is a perfect soundbite to end that on. I, this was such an interesting conversation. I, I, I'm fascinated by this. I think that I, I, the simplicity of it is what really gets me, but this was, this was an incredible conversation. I am delighted we got to have this conversation. I am so thankful for you joining. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Okay,